Let's pray. Father, uh, this is your word, and so we ask for you to bless and guide and fill our hearts and our faith with the truth of the gospel. We pray and we ask that in Jesus' name. Amen. Guaranteed through the cross of Christ, you are loved unconditionally. Guaranteed by the blood of Christ, you are not your past. Guaranteed by the completed work of Christ, this is not on you. What's not on you? What's not on you is making your salvation. What's not on you is earning your place in heaven, gaining entrance in heaven. There's, there's no part of it, absolutely no part of it for which you and I are responsible. And for that matter, if we were, there's no part of it that we could do. This is not on you. Think of it in these terms. Let's say the price to gain admission into heaven and to live there forever is a dollar. How much of that dollar do you provide and how much of that dollar does Jesus provide? The math is pretty simple. We don't provide any of it. Jesus provides it all. Please do not take that as being bad news. It's good news. It's great news. In fact, I believe it is the best news you will ever hear. Just ask him. The guy who was crucified to the right of Jesus. Ask him if he was glad that getting into heaven was not on him. Ask him if that wasn't the best news he had ever received. Do you remember what he asked Jesus? He no doubt had listened to the words of Jesus from the cross. And, and as he perhaps had opportunity to talk with Jesus because Jesus in his dying hours had taken the opportunity to talk with him. For in Jesus' eyes, this was yet one more lost sheep that needed to be found. In his dying moments, he, this man mulls all this over, his, his realization of the innocence of Jesus, his admission of his own guilt, and he, and he turns his head and I believe asks, I, I try to indicate this with the inflection of my voice, remember me when you come into your kingdom? Was he at all giving Jesus any reason to do that? to grant him entrance into his kingdom other than relying totally on the mercy 
and on the grace of Jesus? Did he preface his request by saying to Jesus, Now Jesus, you just heard how I stood up for you with this other guy who's being crucified over there to the left of you, and, and you've heard all the nice things that I've just said about you, Jesus. Is he somehow thinking to himself that that somehow could count for something? I mean, that even though it wasn't much, he had done as, as much as he could given the circumstance. I mean, did this guy have anything to offer Jesus that would get him a little traction in what he was asking? Or was he simply asking? Was he simply asking? Because he realized he had absolutely nothing to contribute to bring about what he was asking for? And the answer is, yep. Let's go back to the day this man was born. In fact, let's, uh, let's go back nine months before he was born. Let's go back to the day when this man was conceived. On that day, like every other person who's been conceived since the fall of Adam and Eve into sin, on that day, he inherited from his mom and his dad. His mom and his dad gave him a sinful nature. The verse from Scripture, In sin did my mother conceive me, applied to him as well as it applies to us. He was born with original sin. We are born with original sin. Because of that, we also know this about the man to Jesus right, that the original sin in him exposed itself in actual sin, which left him spiritually dead. That holds true for each of us as well. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 1. As for you, you were dead in your transgressions and sins. There's one more thing we need to know about him as a result of his birth-given sinful nature. It made him an enemy of God, even as it has made us the same. In other words, he saw God as the enemy. He did not want to do anything that God wanted for him to do. He wanted nothing to do with things that please God. Romans chapter 8, verse 7 says it this way, The sinful mind is hostile to God. It does not submit to God's laws. Indeed, it cannot submit to God's laws. And the bottom line to all of those scriptural facts and the fact of our having both original sin and actual sin, the bottom line is this. No one, including our friend on the cross next to Jesus, no one can contribute anything not even a fraction of a percent towards salvation and gaining entrance into heaven. No one. Present company included. Now aren't you glad that it's not on us? 
that it is all on God? The man dying to the right of Jesus sure was. For by grace you have been saved through faith. Listen carefully. It is the gift of God, not of works. This is not on you, is it? Not even the beginning of faith, the first step toward heaven, that's not on you either. Even all of that, including sorrow for our sin and our belief in grace, that all comes from God. Listen to this scripture. He who began the good work in you will bring it to completion on the day of our Lord Jesus Christ. Think of those as two bookends. He who began, he who will bring it to completion, you know who took care of everything in between? The same one who began and the same one who will bring it to completion. Not us. It's not on us. It's on him. Here's another great verse. One that I think depicts the scene that's in front of us of this man dying to the right of Jesus who, who, who no doubt was looking, he was looking right at him when he made his request. From Hebrews, excuse me, Hebrews chapter 12. Let us fix our eyes on Jesus. Don't you think his eyes were fixed on Jesus? Let us fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith. That's kind of like matches up with Paul just says about the beginning, the one who began the good work and will bring it to completion, the author and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross. Jesus endured. He endured the cross. To endure means you don't quit until it is all done, which is what Jesus did. He did not quit until it was all done. The work of our salvation from his birth, his holy life, his innocent suffering and death on the cross, the Bible tells us that it is with his stripes, not ours, his stripes, that we are healed. Not a combination of his and ours, only his. It was all on him. Today, today you will be with me in paradise. Those were not the last words which the man dying to the right of Jesus would hear Jesus speak on that dark Friday. From the fact that after Jesus died, the soldiers had to come and break the legs of the two remaining criminals so that their death would be hastened. We know that the man on the right was still alive to hear these words from Jesus. It is finished. We don't know if he said anything more to Jesus or if Jesus said anything more to him. 
but we do know that he died in peace, fully believing that he had what he asked for because it was not on him. It never had been. It had always been on Jesus. You have the same guarantee. It is not on you. The guarantee is in the form of the man who died on the cross for us. The cross in the middle. He did it all. He did it all for you. When this poor lisping, stammering tongue lies silent in the grave, then in a nobler, sweeter song I'll sing thy power to save. Thank God. It's not on us. It was all on him. And as Psalm 22 ends, you know those words that Jesus speaks from the cross? They end with these words. Because he has done it. And may the peace of God that passes all understanding keep your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus unto life everlasting. Amen.